Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out. Starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At the end of the American Revolution, the newly formed U.S. Congress was deep in debt. During that time, in order to settle debts, many states ended up selling some land to compensate. In 1784, the province of North Carolina chose to do just that. They voted to give away 29 million acres of land. In an attempt to keep everyone happy, they gave up land between the Allegheny Mountains and the Mississippi River to Congress. Now, the U.S. government had two years to accept the offer and assume responsibility for the area. There's a problem, though. In the meantime, people who settled on these western lands grew pretty fearful that they would be left to handle the nearby Cherokee people alone. Worse yet, they worried that Congress might even sell the territory off to a completely foreign establishment altogether. Maybe in a moment of seller's remorse or possibly just a simple change of heart, a few months later, North Carolina rescinded its offer and they reclaimed authority over the land. Many of these settlers in this area grew pretty upset over the roller coaster ride of decision making that they've been put through in this area of present day Eastern Tennessee. Taking matters into their own hands, frontiersmen from the region, rather than worrying about the next move, said, Okay, if you're not going to take us seriously, we'll handle it ourselves. So, in a bold and almost frank decision, as some podcast hosts would describe, they moved to establish their land as a separate, independent state altogether. In August of 1784, delegates from the counties in question gathered in Jonesboro, elected leaders for their new state, and drafted a state constitution. Then, on May 16, 1785, they petitioned Congress for statehood, and they wanted their state to be called Franklin. Why Franklin, you ask? Well, let me explain. You see, seven out of 13 existing U.S. provinces voted in favor of this new state. But this didn't meet the required two-thirds majority that was needed based on the Articles of Confederation. So the people of this new state looked to someone, I don't know, who had clout, someone that could hold some weight when it came time for petitioning. You guessed it, Benjamin Franklin. They just needed to get his attention. Would naming a state in his honor gain enough traction to turn Benjamin Franklin's support toward their statehood? Eh, their attempt at getting his attention fell kind of short. He declined. However, that didn't stop them. Rather than giving up, they took root in their name, the Franklinites. And believe it or not, they persevered. They maintained their own little republic for just over four years. They even expanded their territory by taking some of the indigenous population's land making land transactions with the Cherokee and even considered an alliance with Spain. Unfortunately for them, though, their governance 
couldn't sustain itself permanently. The federal government was making more and more treaties and deals with the native populations and having federal agreements and Franklin's own private agreements simultaneously just can't coexist. And if you had to guess who would win that tug of war, well, the federal government or man-made semi-kinda sorta official territory of Franklin, yeah, I think you'd put money on the federal government and you'd be right. After enduring more conflicts with the feds as well as the administration in North Carolina, the Franklin government collapsed in early 1789 and North Carolina resumed full control of the land. Eventually, North Carolina voted again to cede the area to Congress, and this time it became part of the Southwest Territory and would eventually be known as Tennessee. So what can we learn from all this? Well, I think first of all, I think this highlights a somewhat tumultuous beginning for our nation, and really, it shows how rocky a relationship there was between the original 13 colonies and the West. As much as our founding fathers envisioned a unified country of separate states, some, like those in Franklin, believed in their distinction from other Atlantic colonies and didn't see the need or maybe didn't feel that they fit in to any other already formed state. And according to PBS, quote, although the state of Franklin rebellion was ultimately unsuccessful, it did contribute to the inclusion of a clause in the U.S. Constitution regarding the formation of new states. That clause stipulates that while new states may be admitted by the Congress into this union, new states can't be formed within the jurisdiction of any other state, or unless the state legislatures and Congress both approve this move. So this short-lived American state did have a fairly significant impact, having influence on the U.S. Constitution. And if that's not noteworthy enough for you, how about this? Franklin even has a link to the Alamo. Yes, you heard me right. A folk hero and passionate Franklinite, Davy Crockett was born in this state of Franklin. So if you ever find yourself in Eastern Tennessee, imagine yourself being in what possibly could have been one of 51 states, the state of Franklin. This has been a missing chapter short, your quick fix for one of history's forgotten stories in a busy world. Listen to more shorts as well as full-length episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast providers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.